And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show... Newcastle United finally hold on to a lead in Leeds. A fan's favourite, a local hero and a half-decent chicken impressionist, Robbie Elliott is our guest. And the January transfer window endgame approaches. Poor Chris is on his last legs, bless him. <laughs> yes, hello, I'm Taylor Payne. This is Pod on the Tyne, and we are all very excited today. Not only have Newcastle United won a bloody game of football, lads... Robbie Elliott will be here, and we could not be more delighted about that. Uh, but first, it's a massive hello to the Newcastle United correspondent for The Athletic, Mr. Chris Woff. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, Taylor. Yes, I am here. So that's a that's a bonus, I think. Um, <laughs> in I'm body, still... if not in spirit. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad at all. It's also a massive lovely hello to our senior writer, Mr. George Cogan. How are you doing, George? Well, the chicken impressionist makes a bit of a change from dealing with a couple of cocks. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> not sure if I can get away with that. We'll have to see what Ollie producer thinks on that one. But um, yes, happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Always have a smile on my face after a win. Oh. And yeah, very excited. Very excited about getting Robbie on. You little rascal! Thanks for that. You can subscribe to The Athletic now with a 33% discount at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. You'll get full access to our great writing and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. Uh, So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and sign up for a third off subscription right now. Come on, you Maggies. Forced away by Mankio, who then blocks our Roberts pass twice. He challenges Roberts wins it for Longstaff and then rolls it over halfway for Mankio to run onto. He's the most advanced player, Javier Mankio. Willock through the middle. Mankio pulled down as he got away at the edge of the area. And there it is going to be a yellow card for Diego Llorente. What a run from Mankio. The whistle has gone. It's going to be John Joe Shelby with the free kick. All the way down to the other end to celebrate in front of the 3,000 away fans. 
Oh, that feels good, doesn't it, boys? Hey, John Joe Shelby popping up with an absolute worm murderer of a free kick. And it's very nice to hear John Anderson groaning with delight instead of disappointment. Yes, we've won again. Three points on the board. An absolutely huge, huge, huge result for Newcastle United against Leeds, George. What the hell happens now? <laughs> what the hell happens now? Well, we then start losing again, I should imagine. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> But uh, yes, I mean, I listened to the whole thing on radio, on radio Newcastle and Razor, Razor Under. They're they're brilliant. I love listening to them. They are. I would say that there was a lot of groaning with not pleasure as well from Ando on that. Uh, on, <laughs> on there was a lot of frustration. Oh, just pass the ball. There was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but no, fantastic. Yeah, just such a big relief. I mean, it felt to me like it. The whole place was getting edgy again it did. towards the back end of the last week, you know, after Watford and, and no no more new players coming in. And so it just lifts things. It uh, it takes that it takes that sort of edginess away a little bit. And you then look back and it's four points from those two massive games. Mm. So that actually doesn't feel too bad. If it had been three points against Watford and then a draw at Leeds, I think we'd have probably all taken that. So, yeah, yes, just a big relief. Big relief. Absolutely. It wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing goal that's ever been scored. Uh, and John George Shelby uh, was brutally honest about the description uh, of his free kick uh, in a post-match interview. Here he is now. Obviously, I'll always back, my, back myself in, in terms of ability. But um, to be fair, I scuffed it. But the, the the keepers obviously chucked one in for us. <laughs> but listen, when you're down by the bottom of the table, you need you need three points, and you'll take it how it, how it comes. But it's just a ma- massive, massive win, and it's our local derby, if you like, in terms of being in the Premiership. So it's just incredible for the fans to to come here, and they were superb today. We'd worked all week and on how to manage a game because we know that we're going to create chances with the, the boys that we've got up top and uh, and we know we're going to score goals but it's just about seeing games out and we'd worked on it all week about being smart streetwise and I felt like we did that today and we thoroughly deserved the three points. Absolutely. It wasn't a pretty goal, was it, Chris? A bit of a rolly goal, if we're being honest. No, it certainly wasn't pretty. It wasn't. He didn't, he didn't connect with it properly at all but uh, it was actually put in exactly the right place with Kieran Clark being there for his little sort of dummy that, that really sort of mm. uh, unsettled Meslier and that was it, it sort of was a game that needed a goal like that both teams had created opportunities or openings at least and failed to take any of them and, it, it, and the first goal felt like it was going to be so important Yeah, and there was a, there was a period about 10-15 minutes before the goal where the ball did not go out of play for about three or four minutes. It was, yeah. it, unless you're in the stadium, probably was difficult. It? Oh, it was ridiculous because it was both teams would get the ball, attack one end, lose it just as they got the penalty area. Usually it was Sam Maximan at one end and Rafinha at the other. Then they give it away and they go back one back and forth. And you just saw at that point this game is chaos and this is what yeah. Leeds want. And so at that yeah. point you really feared for them. But Newcastle found a way to get through. They had three injuries. He couldn't make any. Uh, changes in terms of that he wanted to make in terms of tactical changes. Instead, the three players who he brought on uh, came on did brilliantly. Mankiel for the goal was absolutely wonderful. The 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 run that he made, but also before that, I mean, he he was also he, he really shut down Rafinha actually when he came on and did, did very yeah. very well playing out of position at left back. Kieran Clark did very well when he came on. Also, Sean Langstaff was was excellent. So the goal itself was scruffy, but I think 
after a very difficult first 20 minutes, Newcastle mm. grew into the game and probably by the end just about deserved the win, actually. I mean, credit to all of those players, George. Um, I think John Joe Shelby probably had his best game in a black and white shirt this season. Javi Mankiel, we've just mentioned. Fabian Scher as well, throwing himself around in, in, in amongst the wars and coming away with some battle scars. And I have to also mention Ryan Fraser as well. Those last 10 minutes, poor, poor bloke, bless him, running up and down with a with some kind of muscle injury and limp. And they, they all, to a man, put, put everything into that game, didn't they? Yeah, and they have to be like that. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a criticism of the team that we've said a lot that they've all got sort of a mistake in them, and if if they're not if they're not a hundred percent, then you know Newcastle can't win a game. But so it's great to see that they're still capable of you know digging out a result like that, and most importantly, hanging on because they've just not done that this season. It's been one of the huge frailties of the season that you know that they've they've actually taken the lead quite a lot but haven't been able to hang on to it and so you know so to do that is a big psychological boost and yet you know Mankio we've seen I mean he obviously came on on the left um but you know normally is is really the right back and Trippier's come in and so that must be difficult for him but he came on and, and played played really really well at the left and you know Newcastle need you know need that sort of unsung hero element that we know that there's there yeah. to come to the fore. They've got to be at full pelt absolutely every game, but yeah, just so crucial that they got that got that there. Chris, Joe Willock as well, we have to mention him. He, he looked a little bit lost in that first half at times, but God, he, he picked it up in the second half, uh, stretching the game and running at Leeds with the ball at his feet. He put in quite a shift. Yeah, he makes a difference with, with that dynamism when you can get him on the ball and can get him moving upfield. There has been issues in terms of his finishing this season and clearly his confidence is low. I mean, I spoke yeah. to him just before Christmas and he was adamant his belief hadn't been affected and and, and it's good that he, that he still is maintaining that publicly but I just, just in the way that he plays, he just doesn't look as comfortable in the way that he's playing at the moment. Mm. Still, his, his finishing wasn't quite there. I mean, he had a chance to to make a 2-0 at the end and, and, and it was a good save but equally last season you, you think he would have scored it and there was a couple of chances in the first half where you think he would have shot or had a bit more conviction in what he's doing but still the athleticism that he has I think that Sean Longstaff showed his as well the legs in the pit in the middle of the pitch Newcastle were able to get around in the middle of the park whereas the week before against Watford that was exactly what they didn't do yes. they didn't have yeah. enough legs in there and I mean, Joe Linton had done well before he'd gone off, but then he's be, he's he's suffered this groin problem, which he's had for a little while, and it'll be interesting to see how long he's actually out for. I mean, Newcastle, my understanding is, are going to step up their um, search for a midfielder, partly in response to Joe Linton's injury, but also because they're looking for one anyway. But yeah, Willick, I think when he gets that goal, that'll do him the world of good, but hopefully... Saturday's performance will also have perked him up a bit because there was so much to like about what he did and him and Sam Maximan really carried the ball forward and that created problems for, for Leeds. Now I know that that can be both be frustrating, I know that Sam Maximan can be frustrating as well and that his, some of his decision making in the end wasn't always ideal and he gave it away in dangerous positions but also Leeds just did not know what to do when he had the ball and he ran at them and that, that is that is he, is he is the outlet Newcastle have and if they can have Willock they're helping him a little bit. That can only be to the benefit of the rest of the team. Absolutely. And, and George, results elsewhere mostly went our way, didn't they, as well? And Burnley have dropped to the foot of the table last time I checked and, and Norwich have jumped up there as well. Um, it's, we're still within touch and distance, aren't we? Well, that was it. It's the, you know, the, the point is, is that Newcastle have never been adrift. I mean, amazingly, because there are other really bad teams down there too. And so uh, that remains the case. Yeah, Burnley got a good, good 
draw at Arsenal over the weekend. As we are speaking, Watford have sacked uh, Claudio Ranieri. So that's kind of quite, you know, that's interesting to see what happens there. They're on to the 95th manager of the season. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I've just got a text from the chairman there asking me if I would be uh, interested. But um, yeah. no, I don't think I'll do that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there and whether they can kind of get a lift. But no, the you know, the important thing was to get through January uh, still in touch, and then hopefully with a much stronger squad. Now, you know the second part of that. We're still waiting, waiting to see. But um, yeah, at least at least they're there, and um, that was that was really task number one, wasn't it? I think the overriding emotion at the end of that game for me was just was just sheer relief, Chris. I don't know about you, but I've just it felt like somebody let all the air out of me. It just just deflated me. It was like, oh, I'm so glad that we've managed to actually put that win together after the Watford game and I just thought we're never going to win a game of football ever again but somehow we've managed to do it yeah I mean we, we spoke last week about Newcastle dropping so many points from winning positions 21 from winning positions 23 if you include drawing positions and they actually held on in this game and it's easy in hindsight to say this but really they were never put under that much pressure by Leeds once Newcastle scored I think that it actually knocked the stuffing out of Leeds Newcastle were very defensively organised but I think Leeds just ran out of ideas late on didn't know how to break Newcastle down and to see that game out was massive you could see what it meant to Eddie Howe after the game he, he fist bumped and then he went in front of the supporters and he fist bumped them uh, the, the supporters themselves, the players came up to them, and they, they were they were paraded in that sense. There, were, there, were, there was that huge roar from the away end, who stayed for a good twenty minutes, half an hour after the match, just singing Fantastic. constantly. And also, then about half an hour after the game, once Eddie Howe done some of his interviews pitch side, uh, Mia Dagadusi came down. He bear hugged first uh, John Joe Shelby just on his interviews, and then he bear hugged Eddie Howe, kept slapping him on the back, and they had a, <laughs> a an intense conversation by the side of the pitch. So you could see the relief. For the ownership down, that's Saturday was massive for everyone involved in Newcastle United. It's only a start. Mm. It gives them a lifeline, though, and that's what I think from the weekend before, we feared that that was Newcastle flatlining and that maybe we're going to go down with a whimper, but they've given themselves a really good opportunity now to hopefully build on this. It would have been a very, very long break, wouldn't it, if they'd, oh, if they'd God, lost yeah. that game? Because there would have been questions asked about Eddie Howe. And for all that we're sort of told that um, he has the support of the ownership and Chris talked about those scenes at the end there and that he's, you know, definitely made an impact behind the scenes. You need that win just yeah. to, just so that he can he can show people, look, you know, listen to what I'm saying, do what I'm asking you to do because we'll get the results. So it just quietens all that down. Same thing, you know, same thing for the owners. Why aren't you signing anybody? Why aren't you signing anybody? Well, they can at least now sort of focus on that without, you know, sort of the other the other noise around it. And um, you know, same for us, same for us just watching, same for, same for supporters. It just takes away that that sort of itch about it, which is just really, really important. And yeah, it has to be backed up with another win and then another win. That's probably asking a bit too much, but at least you know, at least there's that psychological. You know, Eddie Howe talked after Watford about the damage that that might have done, conceding mm. that sort of late goal. Okay, well now there's a reset button that's been pressed, and you know it's time for Newcastle to try and build on it. I clearly uh, relieved Eddie Howe described his emotions just after the uh, after the final whistle. One of real pride, really pride in the team, um, pride in the club, the supporters again. Just a, a really amazing feeling. So so uh, pleased for the supporters today because they've been 
incredible for us and they were brilliant again today but we needed to give them something back and I felt we did today because I thought we committed everything to the game physically, mentally so pleased with the players I thought we were excellent I thought it was an even first half I thought they probably had the best chance of the half but our goalkeeper made a very good save and overall I thought his performance today was very good he controlled his box excellently but we grew into the game and I thought second half we were Although we didn't have a lot of the ball, I thought we were a real counter threat when we did have it and our dangerous players really showed uh, what they're capable of. Hopefully it will prove to be a turning point for us. I think it was really important that we, um, upon getting the lead, obviously we were looking to add to it and, and, we, and we could have done as well. And I think that's the pleasing thing. It wasn't a 1-0 necessarily, backs against the wall for a long period of time. It was a 1-0 trying to make it two and the positive approach really pleased me once we'd scored. I don't want to say that we've cracked anything, but we're working towards it. Yeah, that was something we discussed last week. We want to be more positive. We want to try and score the second goal and win the game that way rather than be content to hang on to what we have. I think you know when you go into the last five minutes of the game, that's probably the reality. And as I say, the two centre-halves, the, the, the whole team defended our goal really well today. Yeah, the buzzword or the, the phrase he used there after after that one was turning point, Chris. Um, and normally I would ask you, is this the turning point for Newcastle? I'm not going to ask that. This has to be the turning point, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Newcastle, when they come back after this two and a half week break, have two matches in five days at home, St. James's Park, Everton, yeah, and then Villa. Then they've got a run of games where they, they play the likes of West Ham and Brentford on the road. And they're basically, over the course of the next two months, play all of the games you could say are quote-unquote winnable between now and the mm. end of the season, other than Burnley right at the end. Newcastle need to build on this. They have they have now within touching distance of getting themselves out of the relegation zone, whereas they're at the risk of being cut adrift beforehand. They need to build on this momentum. They need to use it in the last week of the window and make sure that they do continue to strengthen. They can't just do what Mike Ashley used to often do towards the end of a window if Newcastle got a positive result and be like, oh, well, you know, your players can win games, so why not continue top six form in the last nine games of the season? All that absolute rubbish that we that we heard last season. But Newcastle have needed players throughout the window. They've signed two, but they still need more. They still haven't got a centre-back. They still haven't got several positions sorted. So use this for momentum in the transfer market, then hopefully come back prepared for that Everton game and ready to get what will be a huge three points and which would could drag Everton back into the, the relegation fight as well. Right, we shall be back in a little bit uh, with a transfer update. And before that, a uh, fantastic conversation with a Newcastle United legend, Mr. Robbie Elliott, will be joining us. But for now, let's all bask in the glory, gentlemen, of three points, finally. Hurrah! Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, as we said before, a little bit of uh, transfer news to come and some updates. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a great honour to welcome to Pot on the Tank, Newcastle United legend. It's the one and only Robbie Elliott. 
Robbie Elliott, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know you're a very, very busy man. Uh, and thank you for giving us your time today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on, Robbie. How are you doing at the minute? Where the hell in the world are you, more importantly? Yeah, no, thank you for the for the invite. Um, I'm actually over in the United States at the minute. Um, most of my time in LA, but between LA and Portland. What is it that you're doing over there at the moment then? During COVID, I set up my own consulting agency. So anything to do with sports, technology, performance, wellness. Um, I have my own company there. And then I co-founded a couple of tech companies looking at corporate health and, and performance again. Hang on a minute. It's four, four o'clock in the afternoon here. What the hell is the time there at the minute? Must be early in the morning, is it? <laughs> yeah. Hence the coffee <laughs> beside me. Yeah, it's, it's 8 a.m. So it's not that early, but early enough. Oh, well, thanks for, thanks for getting up early in the morning. Then I hope we're not uh, disturbing your breakfast or anything like that. So um, what, what is it exactly that you're up to these days then? I know you've had roles with the US national team. You were involved with Nike for a long time as well. What is it that you're currently uh, getting stuck into? So currently, like I said, consulting with the, a few of the bigger brands and sports teams, uh, helping them on the performance side and the technology side. Um, the, the 10 years I had at Nike was very good grounding, obviously going from playing football into the business world. Um, I stopped coaching maybe eight years ago now with US soccer. Um, my role at Nike changed. I moved into the in the Nike Research Lab, which it sounds a really cool job, but it really was a cool job. So understanding demands of sport, capabilities of athletes and telling Nike how sport's changing across multi-sports. So working with the best of the best. Fantastic. And again, I walked away. I walked away from that job because it, it turned into a role where having to justify doing your job wasn't where I wanted to be. Putting me behind the desk wasn't where I should be. So I went away, joined a, a startup in LA, a nutrition company, and then again things changed there. The entrepreneur, it's his choice, changed a bit of strategy that I didn't agree with. So that's when I stepped away and, and set up my own my own agency. You're thriving over there, aren't you, Robbie? I mean, I've I've met you over there in Portland because I've got family family there. But you you love it over there, don't you? Yeah, and again, I wanted to move as a player. I wanted to travel. Um, I still tell the story. I nearly joined LA Galaxy when Beckham signed. It was all agreed, done deal. And then Alexi Lalas pulled the plug on it. He um he was a GM at the time, and he said I wasn't high profile enough. And that was the state of the MLS at the time. And again, George, we spoke, and it's the best thing I ever did for my kids. Newcastle's always home. They can always go back. But the experiences they've had over here, and I mean, they literally are thriving now. It's It was the best thing I ever did. As you know, my my mum is over there. My two brothers are over there. So I've not seen them for two years. Have you managed to kind of, have you managed to get back across here at all? No, no. I mean, the, the, the hope is to get back within the next couple of months. As you say, things are starting to open up. I've got a bit of work going on over there. So that that is the plan. I mean, again, I, I do miss... I do miss the ability to get back to England. I do it three or four times a, a year with my work. And I mean, obviously, you uh, we we message message each other kind of quite regularly. You uh, you're very much uh, up to date with with how the team how the team are doing or what they're doing. What's your relationship like with Newcastle now? I mean, do you watch do you watch all the matches when you can? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, you get every game. So. I watch more football here than when I come back to the UK and I'm trying to watch a game. It's like, what? I can't watch in the house. I can't watch in the hotel. <laughs> it's bizarre to me nowadays. That we're spoiled here. It's The coverage is amazing. So, yeah, the, the early game is at 4.30 on a Saturday. And then you have like the three games a day that you can watch. 
What's your thoughts, Robbie, at the moment on the uh, obviously the the new era at Newcastle United? The takeovers happened, and and everyone's got a kind of positive vibe about them now. What, what's your thoughts on it from the outside looking in? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, we've been waiting for a long time for this to happen. Um, again, I, I'm a perfectionist. I, I wish it was more streamlined and and everything was set up ready to go, strategy and and structure. But that's going to take time. Um, I think we all know what the focus is for this season. And we can't lose that fact. But yeah, it it it, it could be the most amazing time in the club's history. It, then again, it could take us a few years to get there. So, like anything in Newcastle, it's, it's going to be a good ride, or it's going to be a ride. Hopefully, there's more ups and downs going forward. And as a as a former fullback, Robbie feels to me certainly that the kind of Kieran Trippier signing feels like a big statement. What do you what do you make of him so far? I mean, I I think he's a great signing for the club, both in terms of his stature and what he kind of stands for at the moment as a as a current England international, but also lifting the quality of the team straight away. Yeah, I think you you put the the three top points there for sure. Um, the club have done very well to get him. That is the first thing. It, it, again. Apart from the the big ownership, we're not the most attractive team to come to at the minute. And I like, from what it sounds of his mentality and the reasons for coming. And and again, he's a very very good player. He lifts the standard of the squad straight away. But he's a good person as well. And and again, that that's what we need at the football club. We need more players like that. Is there a kind of correlation with maybe like the Barry Venison's signing when Newcastle came back up into the Premier League under Kevin Keegan when you were a player? I hope so. I hope that's how it's going to look. I mean, you, you mentioned Barry. I meet up with Barry in LA quite a bit. And all we seem to do is reminisce about the, the old days, but <laughs> as you do. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a good point. And again, people were looking at these big signings or allegedly big signings, but you just look at Kevin's um, time with Killer and Sheets and the Barrys. And that's what we needed at that time to stay up. And that's literally where we are at this moment. It's it's to keep us in the league. And again, I'm sure the owners will have no problem once we get to that stage, you move them on. That's that's the beauty of where we are. What's your gut saying on, on whether Newcastle can actually survive or not? What what do you think? Do you think they're going to stay up? I do. Um, and it sounds as bad as purely at this moment in time, It's there's some very bad teams around around <laughs> us. And I think we can only go up. I mean, one, one win in, in 19 at the start of the season was horrendous. We can't be any worse than that the second half. And with a bit of investment um, and right investment, like you say, we can't just go and buy some of these European players think they're going to fit straight into Newcastle because I know when Sam, Big Sam was there, I know he got a lot of stick. Um, I loved Sam as a player when I played under him, but he said that he knew he'd signed some good players, but he didn't know they were able to play in front of Newcastle fans, which sounded a bizarre thing to say, but... It is a different animal up there. And you can't just go in thinking that you know what, what the area is like or what the atmosphere is going to be like or what the support's like. And, and until you're there, you've got no idea. Robbie, I'm giggling here like an idiot. You're a fucking legend. I've just seen your T-shirt. Come on, give, <laughs> yeah. give it, show, show it off, please. Stand up, thank you. Is that the Geordie Dancer? It's the Geordie Dancer. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, fucking the little backstory of that. So when the takeover happened, obviously Sam was wearing this when when it went viral and the next day when he was drunk on TV, this was the, the outfit. So I reached reach out and just jokingly said, spread the joy, where can you get it from? And uh, Richie, his manager, sent me one over. 
So brilliant stuff. Fantastic. So whenever I go out to watch a game in Newcastle and it's on like a reasonable hour, this is this is what I wear. <laughs> so match day uniform. Yeah. Get get absolutely blank looks from people uh, people <laughs> around you. What the? Why, why is he wearing a? Why, why, hey, why is he wearing an umpire's uniform? Um, oh, oh, excellent. Jesus. I know what I'm asking for for my birthday now. Anyway, it's coming up. I'm definitely getting one of those. <laughs> so let, let's let's just do a bit of reminiscing as well. So obviously you had three spells at, at Newcastle. How how do you you know two as a player, one as a coach? How do you look back as at your at your Newcastle career now overall? Finally, I look back proud. I think when you when you're in there, you just think it's normal. You think this is everyday life, and you. Yes, you live in the dream, but there was no other dream to have. So it it just it just thought this was my life. This is what I was there to do. Um, I've told this story a million and one times with being on the bus, me, Steve Howie, Rob Lee, and John Bears with coming back from an away game, and Bears and Rob Lee are saying, "Look, lads, you know this is special. This is not normal." And me and Steve are like, "No, nah, no, nah, this is like this is Newcastle. This is always what it's going to be like." Yeah, they were right. It's not often yeah. that we. <laughs> Rob and Bez were right, but yeah, when you look back, sitting in the dressing room, looking left and right, and that was what we used to do on the Saturday before the game, you, you look to your left and right and look at the players around you like, Jesus, we are good. And it sounds bad a lot of the time. Training was sometimes harder than the, the games. That's how good that squad was. I mean, training was brutal. No hiding place, no nothing. It was, it was an incredible time. And I'm talking about the first time around with Kevin. I think that's when the city really took off. And and again, it, it sends shivers down your spine thinking about those days. I remember coming down and watching you guys training at Maiden Castle during the school holidays when there would be thousands of fans there. And it seems unthinkable now that you would even consider having that situation. But it, it was just amazing. The atmosphere was incredible. And the access you had to your heroes as well was just was just incredible. What, what was it like back then, having all those fans around you all the time? Well, again, there was no hiding place. <laughs> again, yeah, of course, it, it was brilliant. I, I think for me, being a, a local, it, it, it felt normal. So again, I'd go to the supermarket. I think my first few games, I, I used to take the bus. I remember playing when I was really young. In the first year, I would get the bus to the game. Obviously, it was a few hours earlier than the fans, but you just you were part of growing up. You were part of Newcastle, and it was when the other players would come in and just like, holy shit, this place is ridiculous. And it's like, well, yeah, it's Newcastle. But it sometimes took the outsider to come to really make you understand how special it was. It spoils life in a way, doesn't it? Because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm similar. You know, I was uh, I went down to Maiden Castle a bit, you know, and then um, started off in the lo- on the local paper up here, the Sunday Sun, so I had that incredible sort of access. Got to know got to know people like you, Robbie and Steve, Steve, Howie as well, and people like that. And, and then the success that the team was having that I was reporting on you take it for granted as well I wish I could kind of go back and just sort of soak it up and it also the way the team played back then you can't help but refer everything back to that I've seen Newcastle play like that therefore Newcastle have to play like that it's it's ruined <laughs> it's absolutely ruined the last 30 years <laughs> oh 100 so when I was a, I was working for US soccer and remember we did the the 4-3 game at uh, Kingston Park, we replayed it. So I was in a national uh, camp and I said, I have to go back to, to play a game, like a, I think it was a, it was a charity game, but like a, a game celebrating. I said, oh, what did you win? 
what what trophy did you win? I'm like, oh, no, 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 we we didn't win. And they're like, oh, so obviously you didn't win the trophy, but what game did you win? I'm like, no, no, we we lost. And they say you're flying back. <laughs> The play for the ten thousand fans to celebrate a game you lost. I'm like, when you oh, put it like God. that, it just yeah, doesn't make little... any sense. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did it. That was another fun day. It's incredible. We've asked some of our subscribers to chip in with questions. So we've got one from Hugh J, who says, "What's the biggest difference between a left back's job when you were at St James's Park and now?" Um, interesting. Depend on the manager. Um. I know when, when I played under Aussie, that was to get forward and, and try and score goals. He said the defending was for the centre-backs and the, the bottom of the diamond. Um, but then you 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 play with a, a Keegan and you've got the Steve Howe and the Philippes and the Darrens who go at the right time. And then you've got Ginola at the time when you just give it to him and, and defend. It's it's literally depending on who you play with. I think the the fullback role has completely changed over over time. It's the most athletic position on the pitch sometimes nowadays. I think we we found that it's uh, there's a lot of work goes in playing fullback nowadays. Absolutely, you've got to be up and down that wing, haven't you? And, and if you haven't got somebody in front of you who's going to do some running for you as well, you're going to have to really bust your lungs at times, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I think me and Bez, that's one of the reasons we kept on switching <laughs> out because playing behind David and, and Laurent, yeah, it's great when you have the ball, but when you don't, it's it's normally a 2v1. Robbie, what sort of um, what sort of impact did Kevin Keegan have on you, obviously as a coach, but as a man and, and on, on you as a player as well? Yeah, I think you, you can't underestimate how this shaped your life as well. We were we were young lads at the time. Um, Kevin was amazing. Obviously, you, you look back and and again, George, I'm the same. I wish I could go back and just do it one more time and really listen and really yeah, soak yeah. it all up. Um, I know Barry speaks to Derek Prozakli very often. And, and again, I think when you look at mentors or people who shaped your, your life and your career on the football pitch, I, I lost my dad at an early age, but I'm not saying Faz was my dad for any such imagination, but he was the one that would pull me in and give me a, a rollicking when I needed it and and really put me on the on the straight and narrow. Because again, it's so easy to fall away from it when you live in Newcastle as well. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We've got a little uh, a little video here, a little clip that we're going to watch, and it's got some audio oh, on geez. it as well. We'll just cue that up. Let's have a look at this. There should be some good haircuts in this. Spree's <laughs> corner. Peacock hooks it back in. Elliot! Robbie Elliott scores! 
Newcastle take the lead and Elliot pops up again. Get in. What a second half of the season Robbie Elliott has had. Seaman beaten by that one. And he stole in there. The central defenders for Arsenal didn't pick him up. Peacock knocked it back in. And that's Elliott's sixth goal in 14 games. And what a crucial one. I think that's what you can call a hopeful lob into the box there by Darren Peacock. I was going to say, that must have been his one assist in his, <laughs> his career, to be fair. Oh, it's great. How do you feel seeing that back? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the beauty about social media now is people do share these clips on the anniversaries and stuff, and it, it, it's amazing. Again, that was a time when you talk about relationships. Me and Bez, we were playing together. So Bez was the left back, I was left midfield. Um, and we worked very well together. It was funny because even when I was, we were in Newcastle and people say, why are you friends with John Beresford? He's got your position. We're like, well, <laughs> he's not the manager. <laughs> it's like, we like each other. And we actually, I think we complement each other very well. I think I defended more as a left midfielder than Bez did as a, as a left back when yeah. we played together. But it worked very well. That was an astonishing run of goals you scored. I think you scored seven goals that season, but six goals in uh, 14 games, as Roger Thames said then. Yeah, I think I, I think I finished with seven and 16, I, I think, as if I haven't thought about this or no. I think it was seven and 16. <laughs> I think there was only Shearer scored more than me in the second half of the season. Amazing. And again, it, it, was, it was a change of position. I went into left midfield and... It, it's crazy. We used to have so many opportunities to score. There, there was no holding back in those days and again it was such a fun time to be playing football you were prolific you i think you made 33 appearances that season obviously you know it's it's well known that you had problems with injuries and so on throughout your career but you were then sold at the end of that season weren't you and moved to Bolton. how did how did you feel about that that was a bizarre one that was a whirlwind so that was under kenny i, I love kenny kenny was my idol as a player loved playing for him it was the plc summer so if you think Les went, Clarkie went, I went. So the story was that Bolton actually went to try and buy, buy Bez. And they said, no, we're not selling Bez, but we'll sell you Robbie because I cost nothing and they, were, they got two and a half million. So Kenny knew nothing about it. I was actually at the airport coming back from holiday and Kenny's like, when are you coming in for your, for your new contract? And then I got a phone call saying the club have agreed a, a bid from Bolton um, they wanted you to fly out. So I actually flew to Portugal to meet with Colin Todd, flew straight from Portugal to Bolton, did a medical and signed him. Like, I think I've done that a little bit too quick. It was like, if I had my time again, I would never have done that. I had a great four years at Bolton. Like, really yeah. did. I really enjoyed it. But again, in hindsight, I would never have gone through that situation again that quick. I will have to ask you this question, Robbie, and I'm sure people ask you about this all the time. <laughs> I know what's coming. You've played so many games for Newcastle and other clubs. You've had a fantastic career. Post-football, you've had fantastic jobs with the US national team uh, and Nike, and now your own sports consultancy company. Matt D asks, where did the chicken dance celebration come from? <laughs> <laughs> I blame Andy Hunt and a couple of all days in Turkey was the, was the answer to that. Yeah, we had it. So Andy, Andy Hunt, another... Great friend of mine. I actually just reconnected to him. He um he owns a an organic farm in Belize. He's lived in Belize for a few years, Bloody which hell. is just just bizarre. But that's wow. typical Andy. Yeah. So Andy um he was leaving Newcastle, sold his house, asked if he could move in with me and my mum and my brother for a couple of weeks, and was there for like nearly two years. 
couldn't get rid of him. But we were in a... He basically was sat on a bar stool saying, I think I can take off. I'm like, what are you on about? He goes, if I, if I flap my arms hard enough, I think I can get off my chair. And this was legit the state of where he was at this moment in time. And it just turned into, we thought he looked like a funky chicken. And then we made the, <laughs> the pact. Because obviously Andy was a, a pretty good centre forward. He was at West Brom. I was left back at Newcastle or left midfield, knowing I wasn't starting the season. So the deal was whoever scored first had to do the chicken. And then, of course, I go and score that goal at Leicester, <laughs> not expecting to, to be anywhere on the pitch. And, uh, yeah, that's where it started. But, again, if you notice on the Arsenal clip, I didn't do the chicken. So I would only do it if it was near the end of the game. I would never do it for the first... Because I think people look stupid if they celebrate with all these stupid dances and then go and lose the game. So there's always a cut-off to when when I would do it. And, of course, you're... Um... Your Newcastle story wasn't finished after you left. You 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 came back for a second time under Bobby. And of course, in that first season, the team finishes fourth. You play loads and loads of times. That must have been a kind of fantastic, fantastic moment for you and a fantastic memory for you too. Yeah. So when I, I again, I love my time at Bolton. And my agent at the time did a very good job. So I was coming out of contract. We were obviously in the playoffs at Bolton. We ended up going up. But the, the agent was saying, look, there's a couple of teams watching you. Just keep doing what you're doing. And he did not tell me until we got promoted on who the team was because he knew I would have just gone absolutely ape and not even sure how I would have played the game. So, yeah, an incredible job. So Bobby called me the day after the, the playoff final and said, uh, do you want to come home, son? And like, hey, of course. And there, there was no no talk about finances, length of contract. It was like literally gone the car, job Newcastle, met with, with Freddie Shepard and, didn't even look at the numbers. It was like, yeah, I'm back. That's amazing. And That's what was incredible. what was Bobby like to to work under? I think everyone knows he he was just the best guy around. I mean, the we spoke about it when I did my my bike ride. There's not one person at one club that he worked at that doesn't have a good word for him, and that that in itself is just unique. You you can't get that with anyone else in the in the history of the game, and. Going forward, you never will. Um, and it was just a again a, a great time. He was he was just the best guy to play for and ultimate respect for him, which is again one of the reasons when when someone like Sir Bobby asks you to come and play for him, you you never say no. That's the that's the rule. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked with him as well and wrote, wrote, helped him write his last book and stuff like that. And I just wish I could sort of, I wish I could rewind and sort of video with that in my own head and so sort of play back those sort of conversations we had. It sort of, um, you know, again, you sort of took it took it for granted that it would always be, it would always be like that. But And that was just a wonderful, it was a wonderful time for the club as well, wasn't it? I mean, obviously he had a... He had a tough time to get the team back up to the top of the table, but it was a very special period on the pitch as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and again, it, selfishly, it wasn't the best time for me. I, I went out spells when I didn't play, and and it was hard. But uh, again, the way you treat as a human being, it didn't make it okay, but it was so different from other experiences where if you're not in the team and you're not playing, nobody talks to you. That was not the case with Sir Bobby and the staff. You were always part of the conversations. You always checked how you were, speak about your family. And, and that bizarrely goes a long, long way to how you respect people. 
was the 2001-2002 season maybe your best season in terms of, I mean, obviously there were lots of appearances. I think the 40 appearances that season. How would you rank rank that season? Yeah, that was a that was a great season again. Just the the energy again back to the place. I I might have said my last year, the first time round with Kenny. Yeah, yeah, was was my favorite time within football. I would mm. say I think just everything about it that you used to be excited to go to training. That was when when you know that you're excited to go to work. And again, somebody told me once you can't, once football feels like a job, that's when you retire. And again, that that for me was literally what happened. It, it was a, not a chore to go to training, but it was like, oh, here we go again. This is another day, another dollar type thing. And like, okay, that's when I needed to walk away. And and again, I did a my sports science degree as a player. I was going to university when I were in the Premier League, um, fully qualified. So to have that opportunity to go back to Newcastle as a member of staff was huge. Yeah, what was that like? What was that? What was that experience like? It was fascinating. I mean, you think as a player, you know what goes on behind the scenes. You've got no idea. And and again, there were, some of it was scary of what went on behind the scenes. Some of it was very interesting. Um, but I, I loved the time. It was a, it was great. Mark Hulse was a brilliant guy to work with. He was a, a mentor to me in in that role, and um, I found it fascinating. And again. The opportunity from there to go and work for US soccer and, and that side of it was something I'd never thought I'd do. But again, it, it changed everything. Well, you put it off at all. I mean, obviously, you I think you left after the, the relegation. I mean, it was just absolutely toxic and chaotic mm. there that season. It was horrible to be around the club. You know, I was reporting on it. It was just horrible to be around. And it was like embarrassing. The whole thing was just a mess. What was it like on the inside, on the inside that season? Yeah, so the the only thing I could have related to was when I was at Leeds. Um, I went to Leeds for six months, and again they were in a perilous position. Amazing dressing room, amazing players, and you'd be in the dressing room, you'd be saying, "Oh, we'll beat Southend away," and then you don't beat Southend away. Then it's like, "Oh, well, we're going to beat Plymouth at home. We'll always beat Plymouth at home," and then you don't, and it it just the, the results start ticking away, and you scratch them off, and like where are we going to get these results from? And at least the reality didn't hit home till too late. And I I just felt the same sort of feeling within Newcastle, the Borough game, when we beat them. Yeah. That was probably the most, it sounds stupid, the worst thing that could have happened because they thought that was it, we're safe. And I'm like, did we get nine points for that win or is it still three? I, I don't understand <laughs> why everyone's jumping around the dressing room because, again, there's a long way to go in the season. And there was just something, it, it just didn't feel right behind the scenes and that was it showed on the pitch what do you must miss about Gosforth Robbie the chippy <laughs> <laughs> correct answer right you're, you see you're in LA you're in LA you've got all that sun and I'm very jealous but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go to Gosforth chippy and I'm going to take a picture of my fish and chips <laughs> and I'm going to send it to you <laughs> there you go uh, Robbie, we've got another question uh, from a subscriber here. Uh, Will be, and he's uh, he started this question by saying, "I was taught maths by Robbie's uncle, Mad Bob McEwen." There you go. <laughs> there you are, uh, and he says uh, Robbie always felt a bit ahead of his time as a player. He would have made a great modern wing back. I have to agree with him there, to be honest. I appreciate that. So I remember back um, with Kevin. Kevin had me down as the perfect left side of centre-back of a back three 
So I, oh, I, right, I okay. don't know if I'd be the wing back now, but the left of a three was where I, I was so comfortable. I, I actually really enjoyed my time as a centre back. Right. And sometimes I think I could have gone there a little bit earlier in my career, but again, it's wherever they ask you to play, you play. But the, the fact that I went from centre midfield, left back, left midfield, played centre back, played in the three. Three was probably, sounds silly, the easiest position to, to play in out of all them. I think there's there's a similarity there in some ways. I mean, not with every every way with 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 Paul Dummett, who's um, yeah. you know who's who's who who always gives his all, local lad, and probably would be best as a centre half. I think as a left left sided centre half. Do you do you agree? Yeah, Dummett's done very well there. And again, it just shows that just because you're a local lad doesn't mean you shouldn't be playing for Newcastle. And it it's funny we went through this a few times, and they always try to replace. Or the Newcastle lads don't always get the opportunity that they yeah, yeah. they warrant. That's that's for sure. So again, yeah, it's it, he's been a miss, dummy for sure. And I just hope that he sticks it in and get, gets another full opportunity because he deserves it. So Robbie, just before we finish up, um, what's the future like looking for you? Are you are you well and truly into the the consultancy stuff now? Is there ever a chance of you getting tempted back into the game? Maybe if Newcastle came calling one day, would you consider uh, coming home? Yeah, it's it's never say never. I think the the one thing that I've I've loved in the past few years is just working multi sport. And again, when you're in a club. So I go and visit lots of clubs throughout the world and different sports and I'm okay for one or two days and I seem to get cabin fever and even just <laughs> the repetitive work and the training ground that some of the players, the attitudes and that's it. Once you step away from it and you, you take a deep breath, you're like, Jesus, well, some of those people were idiots. Like, Sounds like idiots. recording this podcast with George and Chris most weeks, to be honest. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And it, it really is. It's a breath of fresh air to take a step back. And I I really enjoy going in, helping people and getting out. That's that's where I see myself at the minute. Um, and again, it's never say never. Who knows? Growing up, I never thought I'd be living in LA and Portland and trying to sign for a team in Dubai at one point. So you just never know where you're going to end up. And it'd be stupid to say no. Um, on the Newcastle side, hopefully there's areas where, where I can help. I mean... We're talking best practices against the with the best teams in the best sports, biggest sports in the world. We all know that Newcastle need to take a step forward and and, and make it a lot better than what it is, both on and off the pitch. One of the kind of encouraging thing about about what's happened over the past few months is that there has been a, an attempt by the owners to kind of reach out to to former players. And you don't, I mean, a it's really important to me that. Those ties are re-established just from a you know from a nice point of view, from a historical point of view. But there's also quite a big brains trust there when you think about it, when you think about people who've experienced the club during good times and bad times in all manner of roles. So, you know, really look forward to you you coming back at some point and uh coming back to the stadium and being made, made a fuss of because you uh, you definitely deserve it. I appreciate that. Thank you.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So there we go. What a wonderful chat with Robbie Elliott. That was George, wasn't it? Some great stories there and the Geordie Dancer t-shirt as well. Can't ignore oh, that. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, fabulous. Lovely saying that. And yeah, he's a great he's a great lad. Yeah, just you have that kind of warm I mean, first three points and then mm. Robbie Elliott and memories of the entertainment and Sir Bobby and all that. I mean oh. you know. Come on, maybe 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 we should talk about Newcastle trying to sign footballers now. Well, we'll do a brief roundup. Um, Chris, how are your briefs? Grey Y fronts, I'd imagine. Yes. Uh <laughs> Stand at the minute, I think. But Front or oh, back? Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. Georges are, are like silk boxers with a dragon that goes down the side, I'd imagine. I imagine that's what George is wearing. Well, you, yeah. You anyway. Just, just a little insight into your, into your brain there, Taylor, but that's maybe... Hey, they're your boxers, mate. Don't blame me. Anyway, uh, Chris... Transfer updates, mate. I know you. I know you absolutely ran off your feet at the minute, and this window has nearly broken you, hasn't it? Where are we at the moment with transfers? There's a name linked every twenty seconds. I'm sure there's going to be another three before we finish this podcast. What the hell's going on at the minute? Where are we? Well, if it's been frenetic all the way through the window, but it's become even more so going at the last. Well, this is less than eight days to go now. So transfer deadline, obviously, is we're recording at twenty past five on Monday, the twenty fourth. Transfer deadline day is next. Monday and Newcastle still want to sign at least one centre back, ideally two. They want a midfielder, a defensive midfielder, they want an attacker midfielder, and then potentially a forward as well. They haven't completely ruled out getting a goalkeeper and, and even a left back, although left back I think has gone slightly further down the list over the course of the last few days, partly because of Mankio's performance at the weekend. So there's a heck of a lot of business Newcastle still want to do. Do I see them doing all that? No, I don't. And that's only from an incoming point of view. Obviously, they've got to get rid of players as well. But Diego Carlos at Sevilla, still in, in talks to try and bring him as their main centre-back target, but they have alternative options there. Defensive midfield, various options there, both home and abroad. They're talking to Jesse Lingard. They're making another push for... At Manchester United, they've had two loan mm. bids rejected already. It's very complicated, that one, in the sense that Man United want to sell Lingard permanently, who has six months left in his deal. Lingard only wants a six-month deal, and so it may work out, if Newcastle are going to get him, that they may have to do some sort of bespoke deal, which is essentially to buy him out of the last six months of his contract, but only have him initially for that six-month contract because he wants to keep his options open for the summer yeah. when he'd be available on a free transfer. So... 
a heck of a lot in theory is going on, but as of yet, nothing actually confirmed yet. Yeah, and apparently Spurs have, uh, have stuck their oar into the Diego Carlos situation as well. Do you think we're going to bid late and big for him? Well, I, I, I don't know exactly what is it, how this deal is going to progress because it's just gone on for weeks and weeks now and Newcastle have remained in talks, they've remained confident that it's going to happen throughout and it hasn't quite happened yet. He, he's, he mm. is pushing from his end, he's keen to do it, but not in the sense that he's going on strike or anything like that. He's just made it clear to Sevilla he would like to come to Newcastle because they've given him um, a, a contract offer which is basically more than double what he's on there. Spurs do seem to have an interest, but I don't think it's quite as concrete as Newcastle's. Newcastle are the one who have shown the interest throughout, and I think that if he is going to move, the likelihood is it will be to Newcastle. It's just whether Newcastle can actually put an offer forward, which Sevilla will yeah. accept, because Sevilla are competing for La Liga. They also host the uh, Europa League final later this year at their own stadium, and they don't have many options at centre-back, and so... Carlos has played so well for them, they're reluctant to let him go. So Newcastle, that's why this one's become protracted. But Newcastle are still pushing and still hopeful. Excellent stuff. Uh, Deli Ali's another name that we've seen linked as well this week, although I think he's kind of weighing up his options with regards to the clubs and, and who's going to come in for him. Is, is there any legs in that at all? Well, Deli Ali has been offered to Newcastle. I mean, the same agency who did the Trippier and Wood deals are his agency. He's been on the list. I don't think he's high up the list. I think he could be a backup option. I, I certainly would be surprised if it was both Lingard and Ali who arrived. I think Lingard is, is the one they're pushing for. I'm not completely ruling out Delhi Ali, but at this stage, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, and George, the uh, the team currently off on a, a warm weather break to Saudi Arabia, landing in uh, Riyadh yesterday. A lot of uh, different opinions on this one, and and obviously the the ownership have gone out there as well. Players, the whole uh, the whole squad, all the backroom team, and everything. But it's uh, it's drawn some interest, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, logistically, of course, it makes it makes sense. Um, I think Eddie Howe wanted to take the team away for that sort of you know bonding that idea of bonding getting away a bit of warm weather and yeah. because of their relationship with the public investment fund they've been able to do that at pretty short notice and get good facilities and indeed arrange a training ground now obviously everything with Saudi Arabia comes um you know it's a, it's a loaded it's a loaded conversation i think sort of as newcastle fans it does feel like that we're coming under you know scrutiny that perhaps other clubs haven't, but mm. it, it was a subject of in, of internal debate. This not everybody at the very top of the club thought it was a smart move to go to Saudi now because there was this thought that um, bringing sort of attention onto the club for any other reason than their position in the league could be mm. fraught. It could be difficult, and it could be you know could 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 make it a difficult decision. So there were there was a lot of conversations to be had inside the club in the end they've they've done it i mean i'm not sort of making light of this at all i think the fact that they won against leeds has sort of taken yeah. the sting out of that conversation a bit because i think if they'd lost you know there would have been the scrutiny that that comes from that there would have been the scrutiny of the transfer window and the league table and then of course going to you know going to saudi with all the sort of human rights issues that that uh, that come up from that it might it would have been it would have been difficult but it was something that they discussed internally at great length um it, so it wasn't just people outside the club having a go at newcastle it was something they've thought about long and hard and uh, yeah they've 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 gone out there Okay. Anything else to add, George? Well, one thing I would uh, like to 
point our listeners to is that um, Alan Shearer has interviewed Kieran Trippier and I sat in on that interview and that was really good. That will be going up um, at some point this week. So some very nice stuff in that. And with a bit of luck, we shall be um, we shall be hearing from Kieran on the podcast next week with a few clips from that. So yeah, really good. He played really well again at the weekend, didn't he? And, he did. Didn't uh, he? Yeah, just just having him as a standard bearer for the club just uh, makes me feel a lot happier about everything. What do you feel about this? I'm going to put this one out there, Chris and George. What do you think about this? Kieran Trippier, future captain of Newcastle United. Well, you're not the first person to say that because Alan said that on uh, mm. on match of the day as well at the weekend. I mean, he's got he he's got all the credentials. I mean, obviously there is somebody in that role at the moment, and so you have to see what happens if and when centre halves do come in. But he's got all the attributes for it. I mean, he is vocal on the pitch. That's something that he talks about, and that's something that Newcastle haven't had a lot of over the past sort of few years. And he just has that natural authority because of what he's done in his career. You know, winning La Liga, he's and he's he has come here as a leader, and he's come here to take responsibility, and he's come here for the challenge. So yes, I'm not going to wish it wish it away from Jamal Lascelles because I no, mean that's that's sort of unfair. Um, um, but obviously, if he's not if he's not in the team, um, once once a centre half or a couple of centre halves come in, then perhaps um, perhaps it's up for grabs. Lovely stuff. Right then, that is it for today, chaps. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, highlights of that uh, George uh, and Alan from Works conversation with Kieran Trippier. Should be fantastic listening and reading. Uh, And also next week we'll be recording after the transfer window slams shut. Uh, So you can expect us a little later in the week uh, than usual. Probably late Tuesday evening, something like that. And don't forget, that 33% discount is back and you can get a third of your subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. And The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows, bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during the January transfer window. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on The Athletic app or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can start your free trial today. Thank you very much, chaps. And thank you again, all of you lot out there for listening. We shall speak to you very soon. Have a good week. Cheerio. Athletic.